0: Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. And I can't believe that today's founder created a company that's in my world, in my space. I didn't know it existed. And here's the thing that just blows my mind about about the power of internet companies. It's a fantastically successful company with a model that just makes sense and a business that's just, it's clear. How did I not know that it existed? And how could so many of these businesses exist? And it's kind of inspiring to know that this is possible. All right, Sean Rubel is the founder of VectEasy. It's a freemium marketplace for creatives where they offer stock photos, vector graphics, and stock video footage. He, doesn't, he didn't think of himself as, a, as an entrepreneur. He's someone who thought of himself as more of a creative type. He got into the business side of, of the internet business, kind of loved it, and then created this business. And the model just makes so much sense. Sean, tell me if this is the way it works. I I run a lot. So I run Imagine on the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. I will often take uh, my GoPro with me. Actually, I use the DJI Osmo, which I like, the action camera, and I'll shoot video. And sometimes when I'm running on the Golden Gate Bridge, I feel like if I'm shooting video, I kind of want a wide shot of the Golden Gate Bridge to show where I am and then to show how I'm on it. Taking a wide shot, I don't have the patience for that. I'm not getting a helicopter. I'm not getting a drone. They actually don't want drones. But if I go on DZ, I can just Download that. I can use it for free as long as I give attribution. And if I don't want to give attribution, I can pay for it. Right?
1: Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, we have a lot of video content on the site, and a lot of times people need that content that they don't have. You know, they don't have a drone. They're not in San Francisco, right. but they actually need a shot of the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, you know, there, there's a million use cases for stock video footage, um, and we're there to provide it. You know, whether it's it's paid or free, we've we've got a lot of it, and it's a, a actively growing. Um, like, you know, category in our marketplace.
0: On the flip side, I saw someone took a video of people just walking on the Golden Gate Bridge. I don't like that video, but I could see how that would be helpful. I have my camera with me. I could shoot video for five minutes. Actually, it's like 90 seconds is all most people need of the Golden Gate Bridge of pedestrians walking, upload it to the site. And if I'm selected as a creative and somebody actually, if I'm selected as a creative, I could get paid. How do I get paid? Do I get paid when someone uses it for freemium? Do it, how, how? do Yeah. It
1: So that's how we're a little unique is that we pay out both on free and pro content so if you um if you share your content for free uh we end up paying a split of the revenue that we make from that through advertising so we have a a a pretty basic model of hey we know approximately how much we're earning and we just split that 50 50 um with the uh the contributors who are sharing that content uh it's a it's a high volume game right so you have to have really good content that gets a massive amount of downloads uh, to make any you know, significant revenue um, uh, that you'd be interested in. But on the flip side, if you want to give it away in our pro collection, kind of lock behind it a paywall, um, you get paid a much higher share because we're splitting that revenue that we've received from the buyer. Um, so it.
0: because there is that free model where people have to give attribution and the po- sure. a pro model where they don't give attribution and where there's a bigger collection of video files straight Correct, up. Yeah. Marketplace makes a ton of sense. I actually see, I, I have to be honest with you, I have ad, ad blockers on. I do see uh, the ad up on the site right now. That's all right. It's, it kind of feels like it's part of the video. And even if I didn't have ad blockers on, I don't know that I would feel that it was, oh no, there's this banner that I would no- notice. Okay, yeah. I get the model. The business is doing fantastically well. I invited you here, Sean, to talk about how you did it. I should say that this interview is sponsored by two companies. One, SEMrush. You said they use it. I'm curious about how. We'll talk about that later. And I should tell people if they want to use it for free, they could go to semrush.com slash Mixergy. If you're doing content online, you need it. And number two, it's uh, HostGator. If you need a good hosting company, you should go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. Sean, I'm going to ask you a question that you're not going to give me the answer to, but we'll talk about it. Revenue, where are you right now?
1: Yeah. So we uh, haven't shared that number. Uh, we keep that pretty close wraps. I said at the start uh, when you and I were talking before, I, I yep. my, my personalities that I like to fly under the radar a little bit. Um, just doing this podcast is, is getting me really out of my shell, but I'm glad you're um, getting
0: out. You, I got to yeah. tell you, this is a reason, forget about like, vanity and people knowing you and it's great for SEO, we're going to link to you and all that. I think that that as a business owner, you should have people talking about you so that we know that it exists, so that we're talking about it as a resource, so that if I'm looking for a photo for my site, I know about uh, that's easy to, to be able to use it. All right. But you're yeah. not going to give us your revenue. You're not comfortable Both. with it. Give me a ballpark. Give me, what can yeah, you say?
1: We're, I'll give you a large range. So we're between an eight figure and a nine figure company. So how does that sound for a range?
0: Okay, close. Are you close to a nine figure, meaning close to 100 million in, in sales? No, no, we're, no. no,
1: we're on the low end of that range.
0: So. Low end of that. Okay, yeah, but
1: yeah, over well over 10 million. I'm, I'll defer to not answer that question. Okay. And the reason why it is you know, we're, we're privately held. on the majority shareholder of the company. Uh, I've got two partners with me as well. But um, we have so we have large advertisers that know uh, what they're doing with us. And then we've got other other folks who know what our subscription side of the business is. Mm -hmm. And we've never given them the final piece of the puzzle where everybody can tie everything together and uh, understand what one side of the business is making versus the other side of the business. So, And why why would you you want to keep that private from them? We have been, um, well, one interesting thing is, you know, you mentioned Unsplash earlier this year. uh, They sold to Getty Images. Uh, Getty Images is a partner of ours. Um, They've been fantastic. They've been a great partner. And it's, we are one of the final holdouts, so in this kind of free freemium space, there's not many other um, freemium marketplaces out there that are independently owned like we are. So we do get a lot of people knocking, a lot of people kicking the tires, a lot of people just you know feeling around trying to figure out how big we are. So um, again, we're it's it's one of those things where we just we're we want to be careful to give give too many pieces of the puzzle publicly to let everybody start connecting dots. Got it. It is is kind of awkward for those dots to be connected.
0: You're saying Getty is a partner of yours and a competitor of yours. You're not looking to give them every piece of the puzzle and still hope that you're going to have a good relationship with them where you're.
1: Yeah. I mean, Getty is on the high end. Right. Um, and they, for no, for years, they've been known as this premium brand of imagery. Uh, well, they just went and bought unsplash, which is more in our territory. Um, Obviously we're in vectors, we're in video as well, but I have no doubt that Unsplash will probably be moving towards that direction as well. So um, and they they get way more traffic than we do. So they're they're very large. But what's um, the
0: deal with the investors? I, I want to get into the business, but sure. it seems that you took angel investors, but you somehow paid them off.
1: You, you didn't. Uh, we borrowed money. So we never oh, actually okay. took it wasn't... angel investors. Got it. It it was a pretty easy math equation. So um, back in the day we went, we decided, hey, there's a whole bunch of small vector sites out there mm-hmm. that we want we we think this is a good opportunity for us to go after. So uh, we just went to friends and family and borrowed money. Um, it was a very easy math equation for us because I could see the relationships I had. I could see the traffic I had It was literally the exact same, and I could do some simple math to say if we can just get our hands on these sites, we can you know double triple the Oh,
0: right. We're gonna get into that. This is you saying I needed money to buy other sites. I know how much money we can make with those sites. Lend me the money. We'll make the mon- We'll make the profits, and I'll give it back to you. Got it. I see it. I'm blown away by a few things with your story. One is that you didn't realize how successful this business was, even when it was really growing rapidly. The other one, you said to our producer Ari Desarmo, you said I was just too distracted with all these other things. Partially, maybe you didn't realize how big it was. Let's get to how how sure. you came up with this idea. You were a guy who said that you were um, you thought of yourself as a graphic designer, right? Yep. And meanwhile, at some point. Uh, But I guess you were also reading TechCrunch all the time, looking for what? Were you just like getting into this new atmosphere or why were you reading TechCrunch as a designer?
1: You know, uh, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, It was something that I was fascinated with. You know, this is probably 2005, 2006. I'm early in my career as a graphic designer. I was working for a startup, a web development startup, and I could immediately see that I was just a very small piece of the larger machine that, that operates, Right. And uh, that really interested me and I wanted to be part of the larger machine, but I thought, well, I'm just a graphic designer, right? Uh, It's just a small piece. So I, you know, I I probably had the entrepreneurial bug and the entrepreneurial spirit from a very early age. And I immediately realized I was just kind of in this box and I wanted to to break out of it. So I started to kind of expand my interests into internet marketing and things like that. Um, You know, found side hustles. Yeah it was what was one of the side
0: hustles that you had when you were a graphic designer trying to dip your toe in this
1: well it, it the first my first attempt at a side hustle was brush easy and it it worked yeah. right like i've stumbled across this idea that Wait, just so let's took off. let's pause then sure
0: at that point had you already picked up your job at camping world and started to do affiliate marketing you had
1: yeah so yeah, so let me think back for a second. I, I worked two years as a graphic designer for a startup okay. and then went to camping world as a marketer. Got it uh, as a marketing job. And this is you saying, to...
0: I I see some of the business side of, of this internet business stuff. I'm reading TechCrunch. I I'm feeling some of this. I want in it. And so yeah. you you took a scary step, as you said, and you became someone on the marketing side of camping world. And what did you learn? And this is before brush easy, which is a precursor to back easy.
1: Yeah. So when I got that job, I kind of freaked out because I realized I was going from looking at color and shape and form all day to just, I was in a cubicle farm uh, staring at spreadsheets and numbers and I was not a numbers guy. So um, I needed this kind of creative outlet. So Literally, from like the first week I started at Camping World, I'd come home at night and just tinker in Photoshop and uh, design the product that I felt needed to exist. So I designed Brush Easy and, and launched it. What uh, was the idea behind Brush Easy? It, it was really just a scratch and itch of, let me try to build a thing that people can use and I can make a buck from. I, and the I would thing just was to
0: sell brushes hangers. for Photoshop.
1: Yeah, Photoshop brushes.
0: Photoshop brushes. You said I. You said I personally need it, but more importantly, I need to find something to sell. If I know how to make these brushes, I could sell it. How How did that business go?
1: Yeah, it was really an advertising business, right? So I was thinking, what content are people looking for that I can rank in Google for and sell mm. banners? So I was just trying to make you know fifty, hundred, five hundred dollars a month in. Display just banners, free
0: brushes, yep. display banners. One of the things you told our producer was that you got into Facebook ads early mm-hmm. and it was just like printing money.
1: Yeah. So, so I started, um, so I had this website that just started getting traffic mm-hmm. and I started exploring the idea of affiliate marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at Camping World the affiliate marketing manager. So, the question you asked was, what did how did Camping World allow me to kind of see this? It, it what it did was it helped me. It allowed me to connect the dots and really understand how the affiliate space works, how affiliate marketing works. I'd be staring at spreadsheets where I could see, okay, we we owe some affiliate $10,000. And I'd think, well, what do we owe this guy $10,000 for? And I realized, oh, he's just got a banner. This one banner pays $10,000. And I'd say, oh, he gets a ton of traffic. Oh, this is a major company. And it just helped me kind of walk through that entire process. Um, so I started tinkering in affiliate marketing. And right around that time, Facebook had launched what they called flyers, wasn't even called advertising. They called it flyers. So I go through, I get my credit card out and I go through and uh, build a few ads for some affiliate marketing company. Back in the day, there was this company that was um, uh, looking for high school athletes. So if you think back to the time, MySpace was still kind of a thing and Facebook was up and coming and MySpace was on the way down. And there were all these other social networks popping up, a lot of VC money, moving into this new opportunity. So there was a social network for high school athletes and they were paying like a dollar on an email submit. And I went through and like built a flyer on Facebook of like, Hey, are you a 16 year old or 18 year old uh, football player in Bowling Green, Kentucky looking to get noticed by college recruiters? Uh, Just enter your email address and build your profile. And you know, the first day I like maxed out my credit card, I spent like $500 and made like a thousand dollars. And I was like, oh man, this is, there's something here. <laughs> so uh-huh. then I just went to town building Facebook ads for years. Uh,
0: when you were doing Facebook ads for years, yeah. why didn't that distract you from creating something of more substance? There are a few people who've gotten into the affiliate space and all they did was become these arbitragers and eventually yep. all arbitrages go away yep. and their business goes away and they don't know how to do anything else. How did you still get into selling brushes and and other content?
1: Well, I, I think at the core, I really enjoyed building things. And I enjoy, uh, I realized that I needed an asset. And I realized that, hey, I am just a middleman. I am just an arbitrager. And this is great right now, but it's going to go away. And for years, I watched that go away. It took a while as big mm. advertisers moved into Facebook. So I knew that I really needed an asset to work on. So around that time, I was Trying to build other assets, I thought, "Oh, all I have to do is build a website, and just traffic comes, and I can start making money." So, one thing I worked on was uh, a mar- an RV marketplace. Okay. So, I built a, a website called RV Zen. It uh, doesn't exist anymore, uh, but the idea okay. was you could just list your RV for sale, and uh, you pay fifty dollars to list your RV for sale, and um, and it would be like this Craigslist for for RVs. So I spent a ton of time, a ton of resources, building that and launched it. And uh, I start getting orders coming in just the first day. There's you know orders, fifty dollar orders, over and over and over again. And I was like, yes, this is great. I'm on to something. And then three days later, my phone starts ringing, and uh, it's like this little lady on the other end of the phone. She says, "Hi, I got a charge on my credit card for RV Zen." And I said, "Yeah, are you selling an RV?" And she says, "Nope." <laughs> And I was like, uh oh, what's going on here? And I realized it was just fraud, just fraud city, scammers. What were they doing? They were they would upload a a fake listing and pay for it on a stolen credit card, trying to get an interested buyer to apply to the ad, reply to the ad and then essentially get a conversation going and get them to wire money.
0: Ah, to try escape. to buy this RV that yeah. doesn't exist. So they were using yeah. a fake credit card with you to sell a, cre- a fake RV to someone else. Yes. Ah, uh, wow. Okay. So
1: that was just one example of a, a failed startup. So anyway, I tried to mitigate that and worked on it, slammed my head against the wall for years working on that marketplace and realized it's I'm wasting my time when I've got this other business over here.
0: Meanwhile, the brushes thing worked. What's the most yep. ridiculous side thing that you came up with?
1: Uh, I tried to build an outdoor... Uh, an outdoor like network called uh, Outdoorsy okay. with a Z, Outdoors ZY. And uh, I was trying to build like a, a blog network where I would have blogs about each type of outdoor uh, topic. So mm-hmm. kayaking and canoeing and like you name an outdoor activity. And that's what Outdoorsy was going to be. And that was a complete disaster as well. Uh- <laughs> Very hard to get traction. If you go too broad, uh, it's hard to get traction. And then there's uh, another startup that popped up later for RV rentals called Outdoorsy with an S. Uh, and that's a very large business today. So
0: that was somebody else's business and yeah. you're just one letter away from it. And boy, that other concept makes a lot of sense. I didn't realize that exists. Outdoorsy is a place where I can rent someone else's camper, kind of like um, uh, Airbnb for I RVs. believe it's
1: Outdoorsy with an S. Yeah. Okay.
0: Wow. Yeah. All right, I see what you're what you were messing around with. I see how yep. all of this makes sense. I I then see how you're using a lot of what you learned at on your job at Camping World and I could see how some of it made sense to copy like what you were learning about advertising and others didn't like jumping into all these different RV and camping websites. At some point you showed somebody how you were doing with one of your sites and they said this is amazing and what was this?
1: So that was my boss, Neil Scott at Camping mm-hmm. World. Um, uh, he's still in the RV space, but, you know, I, I would sit in his office and we'd talk about, you know, ideas and opportunities and things like yep. that. And I told him about the, the Brush Easy site that I built. And uh, at the time he was just like, oh, that's, that's cool. And then like months later, he was like, hey, how's that little, that little brush website doing that you built? And I was like, I don't know, let's look at it. And I pulled up Google Analytics and it was getting like 8,000 visitors a day. And he was like, "When did you launch this?" <laughs> and that was like a couple months ago. And he was like, "And you're getting eight, you know, eight thousand visitors a day." And that just seeing him kind of be surprised was kind of like the light bulb moment for me of like, "Oh, I've, I've actually got a thing here." But the problem I ran into and what that caused me to do was think, "Oh, all I have to do is build a thing." I didn't realize I got lucky at the time. Uh. Um, so that caused me to then go and build all these other started failed years later. And what I really should have done is just focus on the one thing that was actually growing at the time. And it probably could be much bigger.
0: Why today. did that work so well? Why why were you able to get
1: customer or traffic over to the site? Um You know, there today people call it, people much smarter than me call it like a land and expand type business model mm-hmm. where you give something away for free. Uh, that's where freemium comes from. And then you get them in, you monetize the free, but then you also try to get them to convert on a subscription. So uh, Spotify has a similar model, right? You can yep. go and listen to free music. You get served ads, um, but they, they really want you in a subscription. So
0: so you're saying in the beginning, but you didn't have a subscription in the beginning. It seems like what you had was just free brushes at a time okay. when it was hard to find. There wasn't one uni- one place where people can find a lot of them. Yep. And then how many did you have?
1: Oh, I at the time there was- Dozens? Yeah, Well, there was probably 10,000 or something like that. So Ooh. I hustled for a long time to uh, get
0: finding other on. people's brushes, or you didn't make them all yourself.
1: No, 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 no. So it was it was kind of like this this thing where I'd reach out and say, "Hey, I love your brushes on your blog. Mm. Why don't you share them over here?" And Got I'd say, it. "I would love to feature you," and they'd say, "Oh yeah, sure, sounds good." So they would give me a permission to just give them away. Got so it. Um, so we did that for a long time. So yeah, it, you know, the idea of free. I don't I don't think there's a huge market for Photoshop brushes, uh, but there's a lot of people looking for them, or there was at the time.
0: Um, At what point did you realize that you can sell it? That you can sell it on a premium
1: basis? um, I never realized I could actually sell it. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to (laughs) try. Okay. Uh, So This was part of your experimentation. Yeah. Yeah. It's always been one grand experiment, right? Like, hey, let's see if we can try this. Let's see if we can try this. How should we sell? Well, let's package it up in a subscription. How would I, as a graphic designer, want to have access to this stuff? So uh, it's always been one big experiment.
0: You know what? So I'm looking at the internet archive. I see, uh, the 2007 version of the site. There are two things that stand out. Number one, it, the, the slogan underneath it is brush. Easy It says stupid name, cool brushes. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That just gives you an idea of how I thought about it at the time where I was like, this is, I literally don't care about this. This is just one Uh, grand experiment.
0: I also feel like there's been a part of you that's never loved the brand of the business. Like even today, you don't love the name vect easy fully because it didn't, it, it conjures up the image of vectors, the easy with the Z and the two E's is a little bit hard. All right. So I see that that's a continuous thing that from the yeah. beginning, you hadn't the model or the, uh, the brand hadn't fully sat with you. The second thing I'm seeing is already you started expanding from there. It was brushes and patterns, even though the name seemed to limit it to brushes, you were starting to add these these patterns on it.
1: Yeah. And from there, that's where vectors came about, where I was like, well, if I, if I want a pattern, I actually want a vector pattern. Uh, what if I just spin up another website called Vecteezy? Hey, we've got a thing here. Then we just spin up a brand per content. That's where Vecteezy came from. So um, what we realized years later is, oh, that was that was a lot of work. <laughs> and, <laughs> to, and do well, was, to
0: spin up all these different brands.
1: Yeah. You start having all these different brands on different domains. And then now your marketing efforts are split three ways. Your uh, engineering efforts are split three ways. Everything is split.
0: And- I, I don't know. So Sean, I've been thinking a lot about this with Mixergy. I sure. started Mixergy with podcast interviews and then my vision had always been to grow into online courses. And I thought I'll bring in the, the people who I interview who are especially good at one thing and work with them to teach that thing. And we'll make it a course available on Mixergy. I think in retrospect, I probably should have pushed that into its own domain that it feels like people have a vision of what a site does. And it's just that. And if you don't give them a new name, they have a hard time connecting both things. Like if ESPN does sports and video games or sports and further off cartoons, you don't fully understand it.
1: Yeah. And it, it all depends right on the brand and how you market it and how you position your brand and all that. So it's a hard thing to tackle. Like VidEasy, I love because it literally is video, right? Yeah. I don't love videos on VectEasy, but- if it's easy, well, what is easy, right? Well, it's just a generic brand, right? What is Etsy? What is a lot of these, these right. small brands? Um, and then you start crafting the idea of, okay, this is everything. This is everything creative you need. So yeah, it's a, it's a gamble we're taking, right? Like, I don't know if it's the right move, but from an engineering standpoint and from a, a growth standpoint, it's much easier to be laser focused on a single thing. As opposed to for years, we struggled with just being spread out across all these different brands. Um, You know, it's three X the work. So um, we'll get there. It's uh, it could be the wrong move. It could be the right move. But like I said, everything's one big experiment. So we'll find out.
0: I wonder what, like, you've seen what Envato does with their thing. It used to be theme forest and this and that. And now it seems like everything just feeds into, actually, it's still confusing it seems like I'm on Envato Market, yeah. but if I look at the domain, it's on ThemeForest.net. If I go to Envato.com, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to see. So maybe yeah, they also
1: struggle. I've with talked that. with Collis, the founder over there, as well, and they struggle with the same thing, right? They they built out this uh, ecosystem of marketplaces, all with a different brand. Yeah. But at some point, you realize it's a bad move, and you've got to, and you really want to refocus. So they're refocusing on elements we'd consider them a competitor. Uh, they do a fantastic job, and um, you know, they've got a lot more content than we do right now, but ours is coming pretty quickly. I guess so. I
0: think of them so differently, maybe because themes are such a big part of their history. Yeah. I only think of them for themes and yep.
1: maybe maybe that is an issue with it. Yeah, they okay. built them they, they built their brand off the back of themes. I remember talking to Collis when he was getting ready to launch that. Uh, and mm-hmm. I thought, oh, themes, why is he why is he getting into that? And sure enough, it was quite the bet. It was a great move.
0: So the experiment, that experiment didn't, well, some of the experiments didn't work out. Full sites had to go. Some did work out going premium. Do you remember the first time that you added premium?
1: I do. What was, what was that first version um, looking like? Yeah. So we rolled it out on Easy to start with. That's where the traffic was. And that's where we thought the opportunity was. And it's it was a slow rollout, right? Like um, when you have a price point as low as ours, uh, some people, a lot of people connect that with the value they're getting of, oh, it's cheap and there's not much here, so I'm not going to pay that much. So our whole mission objective the whole time has been to pack as much value as we can into this $14 a month subscription, just like a Netflix, right? They're creating content, producing content, trying to make it as value as possible. So you literally never want to unsubscribe. So when we first launched, yeah, you, you get subscribers sign up. But um, we didn't know how to market it, right? We didn't know how to, you know, adjust our product and craft our product to lead people into the subscription. So it's it's been a learning experience the whole time. And I would argue we're still not great at it. And we're still constantly talking as a team. Hey, we should be doing this over here. We should be doing this over here. We got a lot of drop off over here. So Is membership,
0: a bigger part of your revenue than advertising. Cannot, so you don't even want to say, say that.
1: Yeah, I mm-hmm. uh, don't want to talk about that specifically, but. Uh, it is the fastest growing piece of our business, and it's what a huge part of our focus is on right now. So it's it's growing uh, very very quickly.
0: The the challenge with with your site for membership is you just get so much for free. I mean, even so, I yeah. discovered you because of this interview, and then I said I would like for my for my videos on running. For some reason, I love shooting videos on running. I'd like to have some video to put on Thought I pay, I pay for audio. I pay, I pay, I have a music subscription just so I could have music underneath some of my running. That's not, uh, that, you know, that's, that's legal. And then I said, well, I don't mind giving attribution. Who cares? It's just giving them a mention in my video. That's fine. It just doesn't seem like it's worth paying. Yeah. And it may not be,
1: you know, every project is different. Right. And I would probably Uh argue that maybe you're not um right like our, our core customer right. so in one of your I, I was listening to one of your older interviews i won't name the name but one of the entrepreneurs you you had spoken with had tried to launch a free photo site or some sort of photo site and you had asked well why didn't it work and his answer was well nobody wants to pay for photos but that's not exactly true because there's major billion dollar companies right. public companies that sell photos um so people do want to pay for photos but they'll they're only willing to pay for the right photo, right? Like there's a lot of free photos out there that are beautiful to look at and they're very generic. Mm. But if you're a graphic designer and you've got a client that says, I need you to build me this baseball website and you need a photo of the perfect photo of the kid holding a baseball with his dad, well, you're not gonna find that for free anywhere. That's a that's where stock agencies come in um, and there's a lot of specific need. So it's, it's really like the long tail uh, if you're familiar with like the head head yep. terms of like what you're looking for, a, a generic, beautiful landscape image versus the long tail. you need a a little girl playing baseball with her dad on a blue sky background, right? Like it's so right. specific to fit your need. you know, people are willing to pay a lot of money to get that photo. So it becomes a big data game, a a search game like we're essentially a search engine for images.
0: And so, are you good now at predicting what people will pay for?
1: No, not at all. We're terrible, <laughs> but we're getting better and we're working what do, on it, right? what do you use to try to guess at it or try to get good at it? So we've got, um, we've got two guys, we'd call them like a, our BI team that just sift through the data. Right. So basically we we've spent the past year hooking up those data pipelines, hooking up, we call it the plumbing. And then you get these data scientists in there and they just start going through the data and I, you know, finding opportunities.
0: Search, um, Weird. Weird. So um, the, the reason that I lost you is I've been experimenting with, I'm, I'm now in, in Austin and I'm working out of an Airbnb and I thought, how do I make this work? Well, I want to be challenged by the new environment, you know? And I I put my computer far away from me, but I really wanted to have something that allows me to hit mute close to my phone. And there's a, what is that thing called? There's a stream deck. But I didn't want to have another device that's a Stream Deck. Stream Deck is this thing that gives you buttons that you can move anywhere you want. You hit a button and it basically runs a macro or does a, an action on software. So I can't get that. So there's an, I just didn't want to have another thing here. And uh, I didn't know if it would work. So I put Stream, Deck, Stream Deck's iPhone app on my phone and I could control Zoom from my phone, which is now oh, sitting wait. right next to my hand. My computer is anyway, further away. It's not a hundred percent, but it's still so fun to experiment. It's so fun to say, you know what, everything is perfect, but I want to try a different way. Let's let's try this new stuff.
1: And I really believe that's how you identify the next opportunity, right? Like at the end of the day, you're never gonna find something new and interesting and different unless you're sitting there rapidly testing and iterating over time. So, you know, that's that's one kind of you know thing in our company too, is what it's it's really how fast can we rapidly test this new idea and get it out there and You've understand about it that.
0: You talked to yeah. Ari Desermo, our producer. You said that's one of the challenges. How do I experiment enough that it's meaningful, but in an organized way so that it doesn't throw chaos into the company? And I imagine you want to think new, not just make constant marginal improvements on what you're doing, right?
1: Yeah, so, and it, it gets difficult that. because a lot of times you do a lot of work to get these tiny marginal wins. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of have doubt of like, well, did we really increase conversion or 1% or was it noise? It's a very hard. Right. Play. Um, and so then what you start doing is you're looking for big swings, right? Big wins um, where you're not just testing the copy on a page or the color of a button. You're literally redesigning the entire thing. And then you're okay. testing bigger changes. And then you find one that wins and then you try to understand, okay, why did this win? Was it the copy? Was it the design? And I don't claim to be a split testing expert, um, but it's just one of those things that you've to be successful, you've got to have the right framework set up to, to do that over and over and over again. So you get a million failures and then you end up finding the wins. Um, so before the you figured era, this
0: out, what was. Well, what's an example of how you were doing it wrong? You know what? Let's take a moment and pause. Right. Sure. My first sponsor is SEMrush. You and I have talked about how traffic is important to you. You do a lot of good search engine optimization. You're a customer of SEMrush. Why do you use SEMrush? What's a good use for SEMrush?
1: Love SEMrush. So we're constantly looking at um, you know key pages, key categories on our website, understanding uh, what happens to those pages when we make changes organically. So we do a lot of rank tracking with mm-hmm. SEMrush and it helps us understand, okay, where are, we, um, where are we showing up in Google search results? And we made this change last month here and I'll look at here, they're tracking our progress. Sometimes it goes the right way, sometimes it goes the wrong way. But-
0: Meaning you might say it's important for us to rank high for water photos because a lot of people are looking for photos of water. You'll You'll check SEMrush to see where you're ranking now. Make changes to the site, and if your ranking goes down, you realize the change you made is wrong. If it goes up, it's improved, and that's what you do.
1: Yes, uh, and that's very hard. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a general direct like directional change. Um, uh-huh. It's very hard to split test Google organic SEO traffic. The, the feedback loop is just so slow. Okay, uh, so Semrush kind of gives you a directional idea of how we're doing, uh, and then we're constantly, you know, with competitor analysis and things like that. Our industry is very competitive. We want to make sure we're we're tracking and watching all these other websites. What
0: can you see through search engine optimization tools like SEMrush that helps you understand what your competitors are doing? What are you looking at? What are you looking uh, for? It's called
1: visibility is a, is a key mm-hmm. metric. So the idea of if they're appearing in Google, they're probably getting more traffic. So SEMrush has a great uh, visibility chart we, we keep tabs on. So you could look at CVECDEZI's visibility. You could look at all these other websites of visibility and get an idea and the lay of the land of like, okay, this is the biggest, this is the smallest, and here's everything.
0: In you know, overall space. And can you see what the biggest is doing well that you can learn from and add
1: to your site? Sure. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's directional, right? So you can see, you can get a sense for size of, okay. Hey, we think they're probably getting a million visitors a month. Okay. Why are they getting a vi- million visitors a month? And then you start peeling back the layers and figuring Got it out. it.
0: I do love that I just get to dig in and dig in and understand what they're doing and then see this stuff that stands out. Um, And the woman who introduced me to SEMrush, she started off just being a a social media manager at a company and was, I think, competing with Michelin and they were doing well. And they want, and she wanted to do social media better, and so she signed up for Semrush, and then through that she did better. And then she discovered SEO wasn't as hard as she thought, and she improved. Do you do any of those other tools, the search engine marketing, the social media, or is it mostly SEO
1: for you with them? Um, so we do have uh, some marketing folks on the team. We have a small marketing team, and we're starting to get back into the social media game. For years, we've kind of ignored it, uh, mm-hmm. and now we've kind of realized, hey, we need to be on our game. So Instagram has been the first. Uh, kind of social media platform that we've started to focus on. Um, so uh, really proud of the progress at the start of the year. We only had a couple thousand uh, followers on Instagram and we're going to cross a hundred thousand before the end of the year. So the team is crushing it on Instagram at the moment. Um, that's the VectEasy handle on Instagram. I'm going to look right now, yeah.
0: Instagram. Sure. All right. I should say anyone who wants to use it for free, um, I've got a, I've got a discount code and a URL. The URL super long. They don't usually do this, but they're going to let you use it for free. And instead of you having to type in this long discount code, I created a redirect for my site to let you use it. It's available for a limited time. Every once in a while, they get to advertise with me. They bought actually 12 ads for this year. We run the ad, the free goes out, and then they cancel it, and then we'd run it again. Free. So anyway, if you want to do a jump on it now before it goes away or else you have to wait for me to randomly do it again next month. Here's the URL. Go to Mixergy.com slash SEMrush. Mixergy.com, M-I-X-E-R-G-Y.com slash SEMrush. S-E-M-R-U-S-H. When you do that, you're going to get to use it for free for a limited time. Go right now. Oh, these images are good. Uh, Oh, I see. It's not just good images. It's also for Painful Truth videographers deal with daily. And then you've got these things that we all relate to for videographers. I see what you're doing on, on Instagram. I, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of it. All right, let's uh, let's go back then to um, brush You was starting to do well, and you were saying, "I want to do more experiments and do it in a right way." When you weren't doing it right, can you give me an example of a problem that you encountered?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, there's been problems all along the way. I mean, it's it's just a, you know running a business and trying to grow, it, as you know, is just a roller coaster of wins and losses. And How about specifically
0: you learn- with? Um, with these experiments because your experiments have, have worked, but I could see that you were also all over the place at at one point.
1: Yeah. I mean, with the experiments specifically, you have way more losses than you do wins, right? Like it's a constant failure. So you just have to get used to failing and get good at failing as quickly as possible. Um, and you know, in terms of building the business, I can't sit here and tell you, Oh, we split tested our way to success where we are right now. Um, you know, in the early days, the tech stack was terrible. We had to rebuild all that, right? The engineering, there was no engineers, right? Like, and it wasn't until Adam, our CTO came in and saved me and helped me build out a or we'll he helped build out a fantastic engineering yeah. team. So um, it, it's just, you know, it's little steps along the way, little decisions along the way to to build a, a big foundation to then scale.
0: Okay. All right. Let's talk about the issue that you had with your site. Brush Easy was hacked. Mixergy oh. in the early days was hacked. I got Viagra ads all over the site. People thought oh. I was legitimately promoting Viagra.
1: Yeah. What What was your issue? Okay, so I'll, I'll go back and talk about the start of how the business started. So, um, you know, I, I had made the decision, hey, I want to, I want to have my own website. And I want to make some money. Mm-hmm. So I went on a, a site back in the day where you went to hire programmers called SitePoint. And I found some sort of... Uh, some programmer that said, sure, I can build that for you. And I went back and forth with them and uh, he built it in PHP. And then okay. I said, okay, I have the site programmed. I need somebody to host it. And I reached out to a friend of mine. He was a mutual friend at the time. And I said, hey, I heard you're into hosting websites. And he said, sure, love to host it for you. So he hosted it and we started working together that way. And one night I came home from work and pulled up the website to start working on it. And it redirected to a very awful, awful website. The image is burned in my site. Mind to this day. Yes. But even okay, worse wow. than that, like, Oh, wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, yeah, it wasn't just adult content. It was the most vulgar okay. thing you could try to ever imagine. So, so I immediately freaked out and started messaging my programmer who was asleep at the time. Uh, he lived in Germany and, uh, I thought there's been a terrible problem. I, we got to fix this. So I don't remember much about the next 24 hours Other than the next day I talked to him and he said, okay, so I've spent the last 10 hours going through every folder on my server to make sure that that there was no back doors to all my other clients' websites. And he said, I think we're good. But he said, here's the deal. I will not host this website for you anymore unless you let me reprogram it. And I was like, sure, whatever you say, I just want it. I want the site back up. So he said, pay me some money and I'll reprogram for you this week. It was, you know, super simple. And he, he recoded it in rails, like 1.0 rails had just come out, come out mm-hmm. and he reprogrammed it. Um, and it turns out that he was a fantastic engineer. Uh, and I got to know him over the next couple of years, we worked back and forth and I just became a client of his. And I would say, Hey, let's build this feature. And he'd say, okay, here you go. Here's an invoice. And we just worked together that way. So, uh, so yeah, in the early days, um, that's how I kind of built the site was with his help. And now he's a senior engineer on our team. Uh, and is one of our heavy lifters, so he's fantastic.
0: So, what did the site do in the beginning? When I look at it, it seems like it's it could have just been a WordPress site. In fact, I I thought oh. it was uh, one of the one of the blogging companies that was a precursor to WordPress. I thought it was it was using that. What did it have that was so fancy that you needed to build your own site for it? Uh,
1: literally nothing, right? It literally just had upload okay. a zip file and download a zip file, and that was it. Was
0: just you know, flat HTML upload. is what it had in the beginning.
1: Yeah. It w- I don't know if it would be considered flat HTML, but it was a very basic, basic.
0: Why uh, didn't you use WordPress or what was it? Live journal or
1: any of those other things? Was it just that they weren't considered back in two thousand? I didn't know any better. Right. So I had, I had this guy who I thought was a fantastic engineer He said, Hey, let me rebuild this for you. And I said, okay. And I looked at the cost and said, yeah, that sounds good. So he custom built it. And it's funny because over the years I've had all sorts of people be like, why is your engineering team so big? Um, you know, you're just kind of giving away free downloads, but the reality is it's so complex on the back end. I mean, there's so much happening now with now back then the order, it was just yeah. pages with
0: ads on them today. There's gotta be something that keeps track of who's on the site of whose content is yep. where. Okay. Got yep. it. I We're see tracking
1: how it... literally everything. So,
0: Okay. Brush easy was the first site. Vect easy became the second site, right? Yep. And then and where did you go from there?
1: So when we launched VectEasy again with the same programmer, um, I launched it and I had some content on there. And uh, on a Friday night, I'll never forget, I, I submitted it to dig.com. Uh-huh. And uh, I woke up the next morning to just a stream of messages from my developer saying, I've been trying to keep the site up all night. It okay. got on the homepage of dig and it is crashing our servers. So at the time there was no like Cloudflare there was nothing uh-huh. to like help manage load like that so he sat there and managed load for hours while Dig just like crushed our site with wow time. and from that kind of tipping point we got a ton of bookmarks Delicious was a thing back then right bookmarking and coming back to us so I still talk to people today and they're like oh you're the Easy guy I used, you know I love that site I've been using it for years
0: and they so. found you on Dig.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was a huge, uh, dig was huge. it was yeah. huge. It
0: was all for people. We went who to were number like, one.
1: Sorry. You ranked we went number, went to one, number on one on dig for for a weekend. Yeah. So it was wow. a really big launching point for us.
0: All right. And I could see how that would be a perfect audience for you. All yeah. right. The business is building up. At some point you started to tell us that you thought, I think there are other sites out there. I think I could, I could buy them. What, you know, before we get into yeah. buying the other sites, what point did you realize all the other sites you were building that are not one of these easy type sites, you need to let go of them. When did you say I've got something here? I got to focus.
1: Yeah, the the um, letting go of those other sites that were non easy branded was fairly easy. Um, we saw we saw competition coming up, and kind of you know doing what we were doing, doing it better than us. And that's when I realized I was like, I need to focus, or or I'm gonna get our lunch eaten here because these guys are doing it better, right? They're doing it bigger, they're doing it better off my idea. So, um, that was around the time when I was like, okay, I need to focus. And that's when I got rid of all the other junk. Uh, okay. when I say junk, I mean, outdoor related sites and, things. <laughs> uh-huh. um, in a diff- totally different industry. Yep. And then, um, probably a few years ago, we started having the conversation of like, Hey, what do we want to do with brush easy? Hey, what do we want to do with vid Do we really want to build out this, um, house of brands or just have like a branded house? And you know, we made the decision to do the branded house uh, and really make that build that house as big as we can make it. So um, it's not unique. There's a lot of companies doing that. Um, and uh, so yeah, it was probably a few years ago we started hiring people much smarter than me uh, to come in and ask questions. Hey, why are we doing this? And you're like, oh, good question. Let's talk about it.
0: Why? Why didn't you go with the easy name instead of Easy? It seems like easy encompasses all the other sites: Brush Easy, Theme Easy, Vid Easy.
1: Yeah, so I touched on this at the beginning, but uh, if you think about what it what's required, um, you we we would take four domains and merge them into a single domain. Uh, very scary from an SEO standpoint. Mm. So if we screw that up and traffic goes, like we're we're in trouble. So yeah. um, we've kind of moved towards that, um, but we haven't like pulled the trigger on really diving in yet. But we're heading in that direction. It, meaning the other domain steps. will be the do- the main domain. Yeah. Double easy. Why? What do you think? Do you think that's a better brand?
0: I do. I do. I'm a little concerned about people spelling it like the word easy. Yes. Yep. And I feel like as long as now you're rebranding, maybe now's the time to come up with your own name. That's not as confusing and start
1: from scratch. But yeah, if you can remember double E uh, that that helps double easy. Why? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's all they're valid concerns and things we don't know how to tackle yet. So um, we're watching other brands. There's other brands in our space. Uh, there's one specifically that's actually in our space. So that merged four sites into one and we're watching them pretty closely to see what happened. And, um, yeah. you know, transfer wise rebranded to wise, um, Angie's list rebranded to Angie, right? Like they, so there, there's all these little things that happen over the years and it becomes an evolution of the brand and as the it's brand really
0: is challenging. It. It, yeah. yeah, you know frankly, mixergy is not the best name. I I just started with these mixers that had synergy and called like them I think and- it's great.
1: Yeah. You don't want to change for no reason. Right. And yeah. And the reason is that right now we still experience a lot of people where they think, oh, Vecteezy still has all this other content. I thought you were just vectors. So yeah. if you if you create a hard stop. And say, hey, we're not VectEasy easy anymore. We're easy. And here's why. And we tell a story around that. Um, it could resonate with customers a little more. So I
0: wonder who has easy.com, like the word, these domains I said easy is not even a great domain. Easy, the portal home of easy family of brands. See, full list of businesses with easy family brands. Oh, right. The jet easy jet. Yeah, easy jet, easy card. They're not letting go of this. Those those people are even though they have a horribly out-of-date site, it's like these people.
1: Invato used to be um, Eden.cc back in the day when they first launched. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, they've gone through multiple um, rebrands over the course of their years. So, you know, it it becomes a natural evolution of the brand over time. And the the trick becomes, okay, can we make sure customers realize this? Can we make sure um, Google realizes this? And Google sees the switch and directs everything the right way. So it's very challenging, very scary. Uh, We're not there yet, but that's the direction we're heading.
0: Where'd you find the site? So you just said, I see that my model. My model is I put out free content. People see ads. I know how much I'm making from that. There's a, yep. And other people are doing the same thing. I know how much I could make off of their content because it's so similar to mine. Yep. And on top of that, we have a bonus that they don't have, which is membership, right? Now yep. let's see if we can go and buy other sites. When, how many years ago was that?
1: Five or six. Five we started six. buying up sites. We probably okay. bought four or five of them. What's an example
0: of one, the first one, maybe we can talk about. Uh,
1: Well, freevector.com would be an Ah. example of a site we own. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's an exact match of what we do, right. We wanted, we wanted it, we wanted to own it. So um, it's just the idea of, you know, there's a lot of these other smaller players in the space that were, were, we felt it was an opportunity. So we went and borrowed the money, borrowed a couple million dollars and bought it up and paid it off fairly quickly. Did you it? end
0: up with a couple of with friends with a couple of million dollars? So you told us a little bit about your background. Your sure. dad was an entrepreneur, but not yeah. like a dot com type entrepreneur. No. What was he doing?
1: Uh, my dad was a, a contractor. Uh, okay. He's he, you know renovations, repairs, additions, things like that. So yeah, the story was that it it was just me and I was you know my partner now our CT or our CFO Richard. He's the numbers guy. Um, he was just a, a friend of mine at the time, and we would talk about it, and I'd show him. <laughs> And he would say, well, why don't you just go buy them? And I was like, I don't have that kind of money. Well, uh-huh. Where would I get that kind of money? And he said, well, I get that money for you. And I said, you can? How? And he said, oh, easy. You, you know, I could just go talk to so-and-so or talk to so-and-so. You know, he's got connections. Like he
0: had specific people who he yeah. knew who had done yeah. well, I'm imagining, in the tech space? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. yeah. In our, in our you know, friends and family, church groups, things like that. Folks okay. have, you know, been successful and they're just looking for investments and get a return on their money. So- he said, oh, I could get that for you. And I said, how would you do that? And he said, well, I would go talk to so-and-so or I'd talk to so-and-so. And then as long as we can give them X rate of return, I bet they would trust us enough to give us that money and we'd pay it back. But he was like, by the way, like you got to believe in this because you're selling your house if this thing doesn't work right. So,
0: <laughs> so personally it was guaranteeing the-
1: it. Oh yeah. Yeah. But well, sure. what about your partners? Were they also personally guaranteeing it? So Richard and I formed a new, a new partnership. Okay. Uh, Together to go do this, this venture of the business. And then, yeah, I personally guaranteed my percentage of ownership. Wow. So, so yeah, it was a big risk, but we, it was like a no brainer too. like looking at it. Like it was easy to make those do the math and realize, Hey, we can make X assuming we don't run this thing into the ground over the next couple of years. So,
0: wow. How long did it take you to pay
1: it off? Two and a half, maybe three years max. So that's a pretty good ROI on an investment like that.
0: Really good. Um, yeah. How'd you find the uh, free vector? You just saw that they were online and started talking to
1: the founder? Yep. Yep. You just send an email and you start talking to him. Hey, uh, you interested? And it just so happened that um, that he was interested. And then, uh, you know, others took a little convincing. Uh, but, you know.
0: Do you with- start off with, I'm starting to buy companies like yours. I'm in this space. Yep. Would you be interested? You do. You just start right off with that.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. You introduce, tell them who you are, um, and then you know, the, the free vector guy specifically, uh, he's still out there hustling, you know, building, building other websites. Mm -hmm. Uh, He reaches out to me once in a while, his name's Daniel and we talk quite a bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, everybody's different. If somebody doesn't want to sell or, um, uh, you know, they're really interested in selling you, you, you learn that pretty quickly just in the first few conversations. Um, and a lot of times people say, no, not interested. And that's all you get is one email. And then depending on how bad you want to buy them, you, you know, you keep going after it. You say, well, let's talk about it. Why, why do you not want to sell? Uh-huh. You know, and there's all the, the objection handling in sales is, is uh, a big
0: objection to format. selling.
1: Um, well, my objection to selling is I see a huge opportunity to grow this, oh, right? What is so, theirs
0: when you're talking to people who are potential acquisitions? Um,
1: there, there's a lot of people running around on the internet wanting to buy stuff. Right. Uh-huh. So a lot of times it, it's a trust thing of like, who, who's this Gmail yeah. address that just reached out to me. Why? they' Why do they want to buy my my thing? I don't. I can't figure out who this person is. In and is he life. just
0: trying to spy on me? Is Sean just trying to see what our yeah. numbers are? Was that a concern? Okay.
1: I get people reaching out to me all the time. They're really just. I call them tire kickers, right? Yeah. They don't really want to buy your business, but they tell you they do. But they're really just trying to figure out, hey, is this something we want to go build ourselves? Just a couple months ago, a large public company guy reached out to me and I thought, Oh, this is interesting. And I talked to the guy. And then I realized after a conversation, he's just a junior and he's just kicking the tires. And he literally doesn't even follow up after I sent him an email. Like they're, they're just trying to, they're doing their own biz dev uh, internally, trying to understand, do research on other markets. So
0: I also feel like there's a group of people who just do it to feel important.
1: <laughs> maybe you <know>? so yeah. <laughs> like maybe so.
0: maybe they're buying, maybe not, I mean,
1: uh, Yeah. The guys that reach out to me, I, I I get a lot of people that, um, reach out and I can tell pretty quickly. Okay. I I probably should give this person my time. They're at a large public company. I can see who they are, what they're doing, but then you talk to them a little more closely and realize they don't really have a plan yet. And they're just uh, looking at the industry, right? Like analyzing what, what they want to do next. So,
0: so, um, My second sponsor is HostGator. I know we're close to finishing this, but I'm inspired by what you've done here. It seems like at least in the beginning stages, the model is very basic and easy to execute. Well, a lot of a lot of you posting on people's Facebook and other groups and telling them about this and getting booted off of those. So I don't mean to oversimplify it, but I wonder if there's a similar model that someone was listening to us and says, I've heard Andrew talk about hostgate forever. I'll go sign up for HostGator. I need an idea. What's a good idea that
1: you're not going to pursue that you can share right now? Sure. So, I mean, the basic concept of what I tried to do was just get eyeballs, right? Mm-hmm. Get eyeballs to sell advertising and what i was trying to do at the time was get content that people wanted which would then come to the site mm-hmm. and when i started the company i was thinking i'm not a writer i'm not a podcaster what what type of content am i familiar with that people want and the answer was graphics and photoshop brushes so for anyone you know wanting to spin something up right like give stuff away for free on the internet and it's going to start you know it's going to rank and it's going to bring in eyeballs Um, if you build it right, if you have any sort of product chops to build, get something out there that the world wants, if you build a crappy product, people aren't coming to your site.
0: I think of what's still available right now for free that somebody could even aggregate.
1: Yeah. I've thought a a lot about that too. Uh, I used to think about that back in the day when I was spinning up more easy sites, uh, haven't thought about it much anymore, but, um, you know, one thing is, you know, the concept of digital downloads, right? So anything Mm -hmm. that you have no cost of goods, right? Like you create it once. And you sell it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, that's uh, is a fantastic thing. So, um, you know, I've I've looked into house plans, you know, and things like that. Ah, for, yeah. Like, architects are, you know, they're doing a lot of work to create, um, you know, the layout of a house. Right. But then you've got this this valuable thing that people pay a lot of money for, and you can sell it over and over again. Now, that's not a unique idea. There's lots of people doing that, but that's a an idea a, an idea of something you could do over and over again.
0: You've kind of seen uh, sites where they'll teach you how to build a thing for your kids to play in, in the backyard, those play structures seem, I guess, people are willing to pay for those plans.
1: Sure. Yeah. Plans, um, you know, architectural drawings, things like that, where it's, it's clear that anybody can't just spin one of these up themselves, right? Like in marketing, you get a lot of eBooks, white papers, right, data and things like that. Yeah. And they use that for a lead gen source to, to, to bring in more customers, so,
0: ooh, I wonder if like, you know how when you set up a checklist to do something it's a pain in the butt, but once you have it, who cares if other people have it? Is there like a marketplace of checklists of of like SOPs? All right, I don't know what it is, but I'm with you on this. It seems sure. like almost the thing that we that we struggle to create for ourselves that we're done with afterwards that's a thing that we should be thinking about. How do I, how do I make it available? I think about obviously for school papers, that was a thing early on in the internet because people spent a long time and then like, okay. All right. Whether this idea sparks something in you, or you've had something already in you, when you need a website, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. When you do, you're going to get their already low price, great dependable hosting service. And they'll even cut it lower because you're using my URL. And of course, uh we stand behind you because if i'm recommending that you use them i want to make sure that you have a good experience with them forever go to hostgator.com/mixergy all right let me close out with this sure. where are you taking this in the future what's your
1: hope for the business what's
0: your plan for the business it's a good
1: question we um i i don't think too far on the head uh, ahead as in years i plan about one year at a time right now um of course we have this three year five year 10 year vision but it's so far out that we don't spend a ton of time working on that. We we pretty much focus one year at a time and quarter to quarter. Um, you know, the future of our business is we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to um, scale the team, scale our content, make our product better. And that's what we're focused on in the short term. Uh, going uh, up market, see if we can, um, you know, figure out how we can uh, build our product to be more useful for larger companies, right? Enterprise customers, things like that. Um, there's a lot of opportunity there in our space. So, you know, in the next year or two, that's what we're going to be pretty laser focused on is just improving the product over and over again.
0: So it's, it's more that than saying what other things can we, what other digital downloads can we add?
1: Yeah. Expanding our content offering, you know, breadth and depth. We will. Is you think you might go into sure. gifts,
0: for example, or, or um, other type of downloadables?
1: Uh, we would go into things like you know 3D elements, right, are a, okay. a thing that people use. Anything that a creative, a think graphic designer would want to use in a project, right? So you've got icons, you've got 3D elements, you've got you know um, um, PNG images, you know with back. There's A million different things like that that we could go after.
0: All right, and and you do every year, imagining around New Year, you sit down, and you say what your goal is for the year.
1: Yeah, so we we meet quarterly as a our you know, middle management team. We call it yep. the Rock Habits team. We follow uh, this book right here called Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. I don't know if you can see it. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, the meeting rhythms and cadences are all around quarterly planning and annual planning and then three to five year initiatives. So we uh, meet quarterly and talk about the concept of big rocks, right? If you got, you're heard that analogy of like the teacher that stands up in front of a classroom and says, okay, kids. And he puts a bunch of big rocks in the jar and says, uh, is the jar full? And they say, yeah. Well, then you put smaller rocks in the jar and they say, is this jar full now? And they say, yeah, and they put water in it, sand. And the concept there is that what are the big rocks that have to go in the jar, right? What are the big things we need to go work on to push the company okay. forward? So we we sit around each quarter and talk about that on a quarterly basis. And then again, you know, like you said, in, in December, we start thinking, okay, what are the what are the big rocks, big initiatives we're going to start working towards in the new year? Um, and then we plan it all out and then we just try to execute as best we can and Even after we plan it all out and think we've got this perfect plan, it never goes as Uh, as planned. Always got to make adjustments on the fly. So one of our core values is being nimble. So we try to be as nimble as we can and and adjust accordingly.
0: I'm glad you're out there talking more about the business. Uh, By the way, I didn't realize that uh, Vern changed, I guess, Scaling up is the new version of Rockefeller Habits, like Rockefeller Habits 2.0. I didn't realize that he'd done that, but
1: yep. Yep. Uh, we call our group the Rock Habits group. So we've got uh, six, seven of us that meet and we internally we call it the Rock Habits group. And we there there are directors, so executives and directors meet and then we plan things out and talk about what we're working on and then
0: apparently uh, execute on it. Apparently, you're not the only one who does that for the whole team. Vern is selling like a box of these books so that you can hand them out to the people on the team and all work together. All right. Yep. It's been great. Okay. But that's him. The new site that I discovered that now I'm digging, it's um, it's VectEasy, and I'm really especially excited about the video stuff. I find that video is very hard to find online that's good stuff that you can use, and it's it's super helpful. Obviously, you've got good photos, and you've got vectors, and there's so much more, and I appreciate you coming here and telling us about the business. It's VectEasy.com. And I want to thank two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you need to do any online marketing, you should go get my free offer for SEMrush. It's available at Mixergy.com SEMrush. And if you need a website, go to HostGator.com SEMrush. No, HostGator.com Mixergy. What am I talking about? Sean, thank you so much for being on here. Thanks for having me, Andrew. You bet. Bye. Bye, everyone.